Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good Wednesday. Last Wednesday, chapel. Last Wednesday of classes, actually. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm also really excited for Christmas break in about 10 days. Um, my first Christmas break at Emmaus was a bit harder because of COVID-19 and strict um, travel regulations. I was not able to go home that year. It was the first year I spent Christmas away from home. It's actually kind of a hard year in general. Um, there was the whole, everybody's going to die. Sorry. Um, uh, we had to wear masks. And I think the beginning of it was I didn't want to come to Emmaus. Now, my dad had suggested it, told me. But I told him <laughs> that I didn't want to come to a Bible college. I didn't want to go to the States. I didn't want to go to school. Because of this, I put up all these excuses. Um, I said, it's too far away. We can't afford to send me there. I won't make it in the American education system. A lot of really dumb excuses, really. Um, COVID-19 won't let me be able to go to school in person. All these excuses. But in my heart, I knew that it was what the Lord really wanted. It was what I was supposed to do. For one, my dad, um, he had said so, but he had good reasons. Uh, I had to trust his word that it was the right thing. I had to trust his word that the Lord would, in fact, provide for it. And ultimately, I had to obey him. Because as a son, I knew that he was looking out for me. I had to listen to his word and trust that it would turn out all right. And thankfully, even though I was putting up excuses and such, the Lord really brought them down, solidifying that I was supposed to come. He provided me with a new passport. Um, we found tickets. My dad was able to help me pay for the first year. Um, some friends from Texas actually got me here. Some friends from Minnesota got me winter clothes. All these things. But I had to obey. I had to come. This experience was a profitable one. You might have similar experiences where you're like, I really don't want to do this, or I really need to do this, but I just can't. I just, uh, there's so many reasons why not to. Um, but you've seen how the Lord helps you when you follow him. Also, I think in the end it boils down to this. I had to follow the Lord. I had to trust his word and I had to obey him. If you say you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't live like you actually have faith, if you don't obey his word, what's the point of that faith? And I had to prove that I did have faith in him. If we believe God, we have to live like we believe God. We have to do what he says. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, we have to obey him. This is the main idea of the whole passage. We should obey God's word. We should obey God's word by actively doing what it says. We have to obey God's word and obey what God says in it. So how does this passage teach us that we should um, obey what God says? Verse 22 starts with, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. The first point is we should be doers of the word. When I, first hearing about, when I first hear about doing the word, I need to identify several points. First, what is the word that we're talking about? And how can I, how can we be doers of the word? In context, I think it means scripture. For James, it probably meant mostly Old Testament. Um, but the word is God's revealed message to his people. It teaches us who God is and how we're supposed to relate to him. So James sets the stage with the basic principle that we're supposed to do what the Lord says in his word. He says, be doers of the word, but he also gives a negative contrast, not hearers only. 
if we are only hearers, we deceive ourselves. The NSB says we delude ourselves. And the New Living Translation says you fool yourselves. Like you just, you're lying to yourself. Now, I know we all love chapel because it's like free Bible conference year long. But what's the point of listening and studying the word over and over and over and over and not practicing it? Now, don't go thinking that we should not study the Bible just because James is saying, go do the word. But you can't, you can't do the word if you don't know it. The idea is you should not just hear the word, but when you do listen to God's word, it convicts you and charges you to go and follow it. So much more important than that you actually practice what your God and Savior teaches you. So obey his word. We should not just hear his word, but implement it in our lives. What's the problem with hearing the word only? It's not that you're not getting to know the word. It's, it's really good to know the word. Like, knowing God's word is how you know God. Knowing God is the most important part of our faith. But knowing God really should lead us to live a life that is obedient to him. If we just passively listen to the Bible or to preachers or to Christian teaching, but we don't go and do and obey what God says, we are showing how little we know God. And when you read this passage, it's written in the context of proving your faith. So I've preached before. Um, I preached on 1 Peter 1. And there, a big emphasis of proving your faith is how you uh, react to persecution and how persecution makes your faith grow. Then I preached on 1 Thessalonians. And in that passage, we see that sharing your faith is one of the big, great markers of having a true relationship with Christ. Here in James, we have the idea that doing God's word, obeying God, is a key marker of true faith. It's a very convicting passage. I struggled with it, knowing my own issues, and with obeying God. But it's true. Obeying God is important. He's our Savior, and we should obey him actively. I'll be the first to admit that it's hard to obey him sometimes. Jesus did say, the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. But it leads to life, and Jesus said it, so you should probably do it. We should implement the word in our lives. We have to obey the word of the Lord. We have to practice it in our daily lives. It's not our means of salvation. Don't get me wrong. James has been accused before of preaching um, salvation by works. The people who say that are misunderstanding his writings. The fact is we're supposed to obey God. It's found throughout the whole Bible. I think my favorite passage is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It goes like this. For by grace you were saved through faith, which is a gift from God, not by, not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. So we're supposed to do works. we got to obey God's word. We can't just hear the word of God. We have to obey it. And this leads to the next point. When you do hear the word, it should produce something in you. Verses 23 and 24 for he looks at himself, oh, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. We know that we're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers, and these verses develop this idea more. What's it like to be a hearer who doesn't do anything? It's like a person who looks at himself in a mirror and forgets what he's like. I looked at myself in a mirror, I, I comb my hair, but I don't know what I look like. That's a very silly illusion, um, illustration, but it's true. Like, when you look at yourself in a mirror and you study it, 
you're, you're like, oh, what is it? What's going on? What's going on with my hair? What's going on with my face? What's, is there something in my teeth? But like, the value isn't there if you don't hold on to that. Um, the illustration that James makes is simple. What's the point of looking at yourself and studying your features if you won't remember what you look like? What's the point of hearing the word over and over and over and never letting it do anything in your life? Now, some scholars will point out that the use of natural face is referring to the creativeness of man, the being. So when you look at yourself in the mirror and you notice who you are, you see, you study yourself, and you're like, but you don't notice that you are God's creation. You don't notice God's work, and you don't worship him for that. That's one of the ways that you're not doing God's word, that you're not following him, not obeying him. So don't be this way. Don't be the person who goes to church every week and soaks in the teaching and the music and fellowship and leaves and has nothing to change. Again, I'm not saying anything against actually learning scripture and enjoying it. I love listening to scripture. But don't let it be such a passive activity that it doesn't lead you to follow God's word. When you hear the word, it should produce something. When you practice the word, you will be blessed in that habit. Verse 25 reads, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We will be blessed through our perseverance in practicing the word. James' transition to the word law is pretty clear. And to a Jewish man like James, the reference to the Old Testament Torah is obvious. Because of the context of James' life and the transforming power of Jesus' work in it, the Torah itself should be closely associated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament showed us how we were supposed to be holy before a holy God. And the gospel tells us that that holy God has made a way for us to become holy before him. Jesus' summary of the Ten Commandments you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This summary is a good place to start when you're thinking of what is the word. The summary of the law and our knowledge of the gospel go hand in hand and are key to the whole Bible. And this verse implies a few things. One, it's extremely important that we recognize that we can, in fact, understand scripture. I could come up here this morning because I have the ability to read the text, study it, and understand it. And you do too. We all do. I'm really glad for our hermeneutics classes um, training us how to do it. But it's something you should practice. Because when you practice studying the Bible and you understand what it means, what's the natural outcome of that? You obey. You apply it. That's what application is for. What do you do with the teaching of Scripture? You obey it. We can follow the word of God. Like I mentioned previously, Jesus assures us that the Christian life will have its difficulties. I believe that a big part of that is our wrestling with our natural sin. When I read that if you persevere in it, being the word, you will be blessed, I sometimes even get discouraged. How easy is it to say, yeah, just do what the Bible says? Have you ever struggled with following the Bible? I have. I'm sure you have to, um, but what's it, what's it for? You're supposed to obey, and I think you're supposed to struggle. You're supposed to see it working in your life and see yourself let go of you and hold on to Jesus' teaching. Thank you, God, for being our Savior, and thank you for helping us obey you. We're supposed to persevere. Work hard, keep trying, don't give up. Do the word. If it's hard, pray for help and ask others to help you too. 
keep going. For me, the biggest help with doing the word really is the circle of friends and mentors that I have. I have people who, yes, we hang out, we have fun, but who also care about me and care about my spiritual condition more than anything else. And they encourage me and they convict me and they confront me about my sin, but they also build me up and encourage me to do what the Lord says. Keep going because the outcome is great. God blesses us for persevering. He gives us the ability to go on and he gives us reward for perseverance. Everyone is blessed by the Lord. You know that, right? We have received salvation and we're no longer doomed to death if you received God's gift of grace. We're going to heaven. But even here, the Lord blesses us as we follow him, as we obey him. It's true in many contexts. The Old Testament attests to this. Think of the blessings and the curses of Deuteronomy 27, 28. There's like 10 verses or so of blessings for those who obey God. Really, really good blessings. You want to obey God. Oh, God wants you to be obedient to him in the big things and in the little things. Obey him when you're a businessman. Don't cheat your customers. Obey him when you're working with others. Have a reputation that is above reproach. Obey him when you are with your significant other. Don't be faithful. Be faithful. Respect your elders. So the Lord wants you to do these things, and he blesses you in your endeavors if you obey him. Obey the Lord. It's only good. So what we get from verses 22 through 25 is that you really should be a doer of the word. The Lord wants you to do his word, and the word will change your life, and you're blessed by obeying. And the final point is from verses 26 to 27. We should faithfully practice our faith. Let's read the passage. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We should faithfully practice our faith. I should faithfully practice my faith. Obviously, I changed the word from religion to faith, and I think it's clear this way. When James speaks of religion, he's saying the conduct that shows what you believe. Um, nowadays, religion has some negative connotations, and when I think religion, I think of a person who doesn't really believe in anything, or I think of a person who believes in a whole different thing, not someone who is devout to the Lord. Our relationship to Christ, I think, is best summarized in our faith. But what James is getting to is that if you really do believe, if you do have faith in Jesus Christ, you'll conduct yourself a certain way. You're religious, but you say, but you don't bridle your tongue? Well, your religion is worthless. You have faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't watch what you say? What's your faith? Now, let's be honest, we all speak rashly. I am one to talk if you know me. I can't shut up, and I'll be the first to tell you that the more you speak, the more words that come out of your mouth, the more likely you're to like stick your foot in your mouth. It happens to me a lot. Lord, help me control my tongue. But in the context of showing your faith and being a, a true believer, how is it that you use your tongue to say, gossip, to talk gossip, to slander others, to be vulgar, and then you say, I'm a believer. I mean, you can do it. It's, we all do it. But it's a clear warning against such a thing. 
James talks a lot about the tongue. He even says the tongue is set of fire by hell. Like, that's some pretty strong wording. I'm not saying that James is assuming that if you say bad things that you are not saved, but if you are saved, you are sure to be warned that you should be careful with what you say. May the Lord help me with my speech, too. And James continues to give some very specific things that characterize um, our faith as obedient to God's word. So besides practicing diligence in our speech, caring for those who need help. Verse 27, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. True faith is practically shown by caring for those who need help. This should be of no surprise to you, but God cares a lot about the weak people in society, those who are most often looked over and uncared for. The law is filled with expectations for what people were supposed to do in order to care for the poor in the land. Your probably least favorite book in the Old Testament, Leviticus. I love Leviticus, but I know a lot of people don't tend to study it. Has a lot on what you do for others. Now, I think one of my favorite uh, stories in the Old Testament is Boaz's treatment of Ruth and Naomi. So Boaz was one of those wealthy men that could help the poor. And he followed not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. He did what the law told him to do. When Ruth, a one, stranger in the land, and two, widow, came to his field, he, she was completely allowed to go behind the reap, his harvesters and pick up grain off the ground. He did what he was supposed to. He also did more than that. He told his workers, hey, leave more grain. Don't pick everything up. Leave grain. Like, that's your money there. You're just throwing it away. You're not throwing it away. You're giving it away. And he had her stay there. He protected her, and he gave her food. He also gained a wife, so I wonder if that was... But um, <laughs> I think he was blessed for it. <laughs> we should obey the word of the Lord and care for those who are needed in our society. Now, today... Orphans and widows are not the highest ranking or, or say lowest ranking people in, the, in our society. There's a lot of more, we live in a, in a country with governmental programs for um, children and for women that take care of people often. Not to say that people don't fall through those systems, but there are people to take care of. In, in the first century AD, the widows and the orphans were the most vulnerable people. Today, there are still vulnerable people. So, visit them. Don't visit them and go say hi to them, obviously. Take care of them. Go volunteer at the homeless shelter. Take care of the children. Watch out for the poor pregnant women who feel like their only option is abortion. Care for the sick. Watch out for the homeless. Visit the orphans and the widows in their distress. Be careful to obey God in your outward treatment of others, but don't neglect your personal life. Pursue holiness and purity, and this leads us to the third specific example that we get from these verses. True faith is practically shown by remaining holy. This isn't legalism. You should watch out for self-righteousness. It's a very easy path to feel good about yourself. 
think the best, say, medicine for that is to not talk about it. It's something that other people should notice, but not because you're telling them. It's important to guard your personal life. The Old Testament and New Testament are 100% in agreement. I've seen a lot of things, but especially on this. God cares about what you do. Possibly the hardest thing about obeying the word of God, not because we aren't able to be holy, but because we know our hearts best of all. We know our failings, and we constantly are discouraged by the ways that we fall and disobey God. But serve the Lord and pursue him. Don't be so focused on being, oh, I, I need to watch out. Like, you don't, you're not, you're not going to die. Pursue the Lord. Pursue the Lord and don't be so focused on your being pure that you won't give up your time to go serve others. I think it is a show of your holiness when you do care about others, when you do take care of others. Ask the Lord for help, and he will answer you. Keep obeying him. The Lord helps those who pursue him. True faith is demonstrated through obedience to God's word. Now, the word of the Lord is transforming. Read Psalm 119. Ironically, the longest chapter in the Bible is about how good the Bible is. Um, if you want to give, get a feel of how wonderful and powerful and lovely God's word is, study Psalm 119. Don't just hear the word. Do it. Pursue righteousness. Take care of the needy. Persevere in doing God's will. Listen to God and obey him. Don't just hear him and do nothing. This passage was an inspiration to me. It convicted me over and over and over about how I would disobey God, how it showed me my disobedience to God's word. But at the same time, it motivated me to pursue him more and more every day, to live a life consistent with God's calling. And it didn't make me think that, oh, I'm going to do things so that I can be holy, so I can make myself holy. It really reminded me that I should try to please my God and Savior who makes me holy. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Obey God by actively doing what his word says.